Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Zoe with the Climbing in Heels podcast. We recently sat down with a few recipients of the Botox Cosmetic Onobotulinum Toxin A and iFund Women Grants at South by Southwest, thanks to Botox Cosmetic. Take a listen to our conversation. It's so good. What advice would you give to upcoming like female entrepreneurs or just already sort of established trying to survive still? I literally joke with my staff and, and we always are saying, oh, you want to be an entrepreneur? You want to be broke all the time and working 24-7? Ooh. Yeah, but look so, at you. Yeah, right? But I'm here. So the advice that I give is and I coined this, and I believe I said it on my TED Talk, that your passion follows you. You cannot follow your passion. So my advice is to let your passion follow you, get out of your own way, and never stop and never settle. This episode was brought to you by Botox Cosmetic. Learn more at BotoxCosmetic.com and talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, call 877 877- Three five one zero three zero zero, and follow the Climbing in Heels podcast on iHeartRadio or subscribe where you listen to your podcast. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. It's 902-1ONG with Jenny Garth and Tori Spelling. Hi, you guys. Welcome to another episode of 9021 OMG. Okay, this is, I'm the most excited right now because my ho- co host today is the one and only Ian Zeering, my boy bestie. Oh my gosh, Steve Sanders in the house. I'm so excited you're on. Corey, this is amazing. You've been doing this podcast for some time and it's just grown in, in uh, numbers and people are listening. And like, maybe you missed your calling. Maybe you should have been a DJ. Oh my God, no. It's not too late. Or, or is this, are you a VJ? Is this a video? Is this is a, like a, this is just, this is crazy. It's a whole new world out I'm there. I'm a PJ, a pod, podcast. I don't know. Yeah, it's a whole new world. It's You're a it, pod jock. You're a PJ. I'm a PJ. Yes. I like that. <laughs> I like that. And you like wear PJs. So we I have do. something in common. Yeah. 
definitely. Um, so yeah, I mean, Jenny and I have been doing this now. We're on the second season. Obviously, um, today we're talking about episode 20 of the second season. It's so crazy to watch the show back now because it's a whole different ball game. We all have kids. Um, all the lessons we're seeing that happened on that show are, a, well, for us, we like, I have teenagers, but we, you have young kids, but it's going to all happen. Well, I have a nine-ager and an eight-ager, so it's kind of <laughs> close. Oh, my, it's so true, right? Oh, my yeah. gosh. And you have two girls. Oh, man. So I think, so obviously, so for everyone listening, like, we didn't just play, like, best friends on TV. We actually are best friends in our life, and we... Our kids are friends and um, we have a beauty business together. So we do a lot together. Um, so Stella just turned 13 in June. And I'm not kidding, Izzy. Like when she, the day she turned 13, she turned into a different human. I want to hear something good. Everyone's telling me about <laughs> horror stories when they get older. And it's like, my, I, I'm already, they're already like giving me a hard time and sass talking. I mean, they're still sweet angels. And, you know, my oldest Mia, she's, you know, still a little kid. And I'm trying to not just embrace that, but encourage it to stick around as long as possible. But my little one, Penna, she's like, oh, dad, we can't cut my nails. I'm like, what do you mean we can't cut your nails? She's like, oh, no, I'm growing my nails. And I'm like, oh, no, we're not growing our nails. <laughs> ah, chew me now, chew me now. It's, I know it will. Jen always said to me, cause obviously her kids are older. She was like, you're so screwed when they become teenagers. And I was like, no, it's easy, but it is, it's starting. And it's like, it's crazy. It's hard to navigate. Who would have thought Steve Sanders? I mean, you're such a great dad, but who would have thought it like Steve Sanders? He just didn't seem like. This is not Steve Sanders. I know, but that's how people know us. We're and always going to be. Sanders was a good father. From what we saw, I mean, like he That's had true. a baby, baby Maddie, and he was caring and loving and devoted and the complete antithesis of the way he was when we first met him. He was a brash, obnoxious, rich kid, spoiled, arrogant. Look at me. I'm Sandra D. Here's a hundred dollars. Why don't you just <laughs> go get out of my way? You know, and it was a nice arc from the beginning to the end playing Steve. It really was. I mean... Oh, my gosh. Steve did change so much. Wait, I know the story, but our listeners don't. Can you talk us through the story of getting Steve Sanders, getting that role? Okay. All right. So <laughs> many people may know this, but uh, many don't. So let's go through it one more time. I, uh, I was 26 years old when I auditioned for 90210. I was out of college for a couple of years already. And it was a tough time. I had done a soap opera in New York City. I was on Guiding Light for uh, a couple of years and that ended. And, you know, what usually would cover me were commercials. I would like book a ton of commercials every year and it would really pay all my bills and it wouldn't be a problem. But this is the first time since I scored a soap opera that I wasn't working at all. It had been about a year and a half since I had booked anything and I was having a tough time. I was living in Morristown, New Jersey. I'd bought a condo with my soap opera money and I had my roommates, my friends from high school living there with me and paying rent. But at the same time, I was starting to see the bottom of the barrel and, you know, even second guessing whether I should buy a pair of jeans at the Gap for 40 bucks because it was tough. Right. My father, who uh, school teacher, 
um, and a, a guidance counselor, started off in music, went to guidance, spent 43 years as a teacher, never really made much money, but always was able to take care of the family. When I told him I was starting to, you know, hear that distinct sucking sound of a empty <laughs> bank account, he said, all right, I'll give you $1,500 a month uh, for two years. And 1500 a month is 18 grand. Considering my father was only making $45,000 a year, that was a lot of money. It may have been from savings, but like I, I understood the value of that money and how hard my father had worked for it. So I was like, oh, all right. All right. But I was desperate. And anyway, so I took the check and I put it in my wallet. I didn't rush to cash it because I wanted to wait. And I was in California at the time. And I had enough. I was done with California. Everyone out there was just so superficial. Everyone, you know, everyone's in the entertainment industry. And it was just difficult. So I went back to New Jersey, where I lived. And I told my agent, I don't want to go back out to California. Really wasn't happy out there. And he says, well, it's funny you're saying that because I have an audition for you. It's called The Class of Beverly Hills. And if you get it, it shoots out in California. And I said, well, to be out there, if I'm working, it's going to be a much different animal. So I'm, I'm down. I'm down. I had to go into New York City to pick up the script. There was no, this is 1989, March 89. And there's no internet. There's no cell phones. We're still on VHS tape. The DVD hasn't even been invented. <laughs> My father's still driving a car that has, no, we were past that eight-track tapes. It wasn't too much before that that they disappeared, but drive into New York City to pick up the script, and I remember the audition was on Lexington Avenue. No, no, I had to pick up the script because they were putting us on tape the next day. So I drive into New York City, and I, uh, I, I go upstairs. It was one flight to this big office, and nobody was there. So I looked around and I, I see a, a sign in, a legal pad, which by the way has 50 lines on it. A legal pad has 50 lines and they're all numbered. And there are also 50 scripts waiting for actors to come in, pick one up. And there was a sign that said, take a sign in and take a script. So I looked around wondering if anybody was there. I said, hello. And then someone in the back real sternly said, just sign in and take a script as if I couldn't read or they were arrogant enough to think that I didn't have any other questions, which really was where's the bathroom. But anyway, <laughs> so I looked at the sign in script and I looked at the scripts and I looked at the sign in. I, I remember the $800 check and my father handing it to me. And I remember not working and feeling desperate. I signed in. I wrote my name, number one. I wrote Ben Dover. And then I grabbed all the scripts and got out of there as quickly as I could. I'm running down Lexington Avenue with all these scripts in my hand, waiting for somebody to put a shoulder hand on my shoulder and it never happened. And oh my God, I got home. I ripped out the scenes that I was going to do for, to be put on tape. Tim Hunter, the director of the pilot episode, very profound, very uh, prolific uh, director um, was shooting the pilot and I had to be ready. I worked shopped my scenes kelly taylor's the biggest bitch in all of beverly hills all that workshopped it the night before got it inside there so i could own it and then i went into the audition the next day and everyone that was coming in for the part of steve because they were reading steve's this day 
hey, do you got a script? There were none, none left when I got there. And I asked for a script too. I mean, <laughs> you had to. <laughs> I had to. I, yeah. How do you know the lines? So I went in there and uh, delivered what I had intended. I mean, as an actor, we our victory is in the room. If you deliver, if you prepare and accomplish what you set out to do, then that's your win. You can't always be the guy. And I knew that, but I needed a job. So I went in, I did what I did. I don't really recommend it. I was kind of living on the wrong side of the, still in the gray line. I didn't break any laws, but ethics, uh, I acknowledge that. I was desperate, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. And I, I did what I did. But in hindsight, I think they hired the right fucking Steve Sanders. <laughs> Clearly. Right? Yes. Right? Like, Woods is a total Steve Sanders move. Um, that's really where Steve and I uh, separate, other than the fact that we look alike. He's <laughs> aging much more gracefully than I am, but suffice it to say, uh, that's how it all went down. You know, that's how it went down. I flew out. I got a, a screen test. I was very excited. And I flew out to California. They put me on a plane like two days later. I was flying out there with two other actors. Both were reading for uh, Brandon and and Brenda. And get on the ground at LAX. They pick us up. They put us at the Hyatt on Sunset. And it's like six o'clock at night. I've got to be at the executive studios at Fox at nine in the morning. I'm sitting on my bed and I'm watching Cops. And it was an episode where some like rock stars grow and got assaulted and she's like in the corner of this this hotel room she's got a bedspread over her head she's all embarrassed the cops trying to talk to her and they're pulling it down and i'm looking at that bedspread and i'm looking at the bed i'm sitting on back and forth it's the same what she got assaulted in the same hotel that i was staying in that's what i had to go to sleep on great ew wake up the, it was just one of these crazy things i remember so the next morning i wake up my heart is pounding. This is a screen test. I'm going in. The executives are going to be there. Your dad's going to be there. Peter Chernin was there. Barry Diller was there. There was about 10, 12 executives in this room. Some were even sitting on the back of the couch, not just in the cushions. And it was packed. Darren Starr was there. And I knew everyone that was in that room. I, I would read the trade papers. It's very important. you got to know your industry. You can't just think you're an actor and not know what's going on. I knew every face in that room from the Hollywood Reporter. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting outside on the floor outside the room, the room. And there's a darker complected young man sitting next to me. There's a, a bigger blonde haired guy sitting next to me. The dude to my right, I, he kind of looked like Italian. He was also reading for Steve. Hmm. There was me. And then there was somebody that kind of looked like Michael Pollitz. Not, not Michael Pollitz, Michael uh, Cutlass. You know, bigger, blonde, yeah. wasn't Cutlass though. In any event, before I had left the, the scene of the crime, <laughs> <laughs> I put Vaseline on my gums. Because I had seen once in some interview with a Miss America pageant or whatever that they put Vaseline on their gums so if they get nervous, they can still talk. I'm like, that's 
freaking genius. My biggest problem was cotton mouth. I'd go into a room and I'd be like, hey, how you doing? I'm on Jerry. It's like, fire on my shot, And I know it. You could feel your tongue and your lips hanging on your gums. Like, it's not cool. So I'm like, damn, let me try the Vaseline. If it's like Vaseline, I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. So that wasn't a problem. I'm sitting outside just trying to control my breathing. Very confident in my material. I was very prepared. It's always important, people. Be prepared. I'm sitting there. I'm really prepared, just trying to get my heart not pounding in my chest. The Italian dude is sitting maybe five feet from me saying his lines out loud. Oh, that's the worst. Like, what the hell? I say, excuse me, can you maybe use your inside voice for that? Because I hear that and I don't want to hear that. I'm here for a job and I know you are, but let's be respectful of each other's space and time and efforts that have gotten us this far. So please. And he's like, gave me some stink eye, whatever. So I just chilled. And then I look over at, at the big guy and he's like, down the hallway doing push-ups. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know that guy, they're out there. Maybe the chicks don't do that, but like this dude was like busting out, ooh, 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 getting his push-ups in for, just get him piked, get him in the right, right state of mind, get him in that peak state. The door opens and the guy to my right gets called in. And I'm just sitting there, but I can hear inside the damn room. Right? Yeah. And everybody's laughing. Everybody's laughing. It's not a great sign when you're outside the door and they're laughing at the dude who's your competition. <laughs> like laughing. And he was in there for what seemed to be an inordinate amount of time compared to the material that we were there to audition for. Right. So already I'm like, chill, chill, chill. It's okay. <sighs> He comes out, the door opens, the divine light shines. He walks out. He's got this look on his face. He's not sure if he had brain surgery or not. So I don't know if they were laughing with him or laughing at him. So he becomes irrelevant in my mind game because mm-hmm. he's not he's not confident. <sighs> Ian, are you ready? I said, yeah, let's do this. And I stood up and I walked in the room and I was taken back because the room was packed. And I recognized Aaron. I recognized, you know, Barry Diller. Um, Peter Chernin is in the room. Um, all these other young execs that were there. Some had notepads. It was, there was no cameras at this point. This was your live theatrical audition for the network. And already I'm starting to feel my heart start to pound in my chest. And, um, the casting agent says, oh, this is Ian Zeering. He flew all the way here from uh, from New Jersey. Uh, so everyone, oh, welcome. And your dad was so gracious. Ian, thanks so much for coming out here. I can't wait to see what you brought us. So I said, okay, well, great. I want you all to pay close attention because there's going to be a quiz after this. You said that? It was just enough to break the ice. They all laughed. And I said, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But it eased me. And it, I think it made me more accessible because I went out on a ledge and was vulnerable for a moment before I delivered the, the material that made me iron TV's iron zeering. (laughs) 
I did my three scenes. I got some chuckles. I accomplished what I had set out to. I wasn't getting the laughs that that first dude was getting. Wasn't in the room as long as everybody, Aaron says, I stood up, shook man. Thanks. Does everybody talk like that when they do Aaron? Ah, thanks so much for coming. You're nailing it. I mean, some, yeah. Yeah, everyone uh, always tries to do his voice, but like you're doing exactly. Well, he's so distinct. He's yeah. such a gentle man and like stood up and shook my hand and his pipe in his mouth so much for coming, did a great job. And by the way, people, that's the kiss of death. When someone says, thanks for coming. You don't want to hear that shit. You want to hear yeah. like, wow, that was really awesome. You shed new light on stuff. You really elevated the material. That's <laughs> what you want to hear. When you hear thanks for coming, it's like, wah, wah, wah. So, so Joanna Ray was the casting director. Joanna Ray, Joanna Ray, right. She's the one who opened the door and the divine light shone over her shoulders, made a silhouette. She said, Ian, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> I walked in, but right, Joanna Ray. So I said, well, listen, everybody, thanks so much for this opportunity. I love the material. I wish you all the best, whether I'm playing the character or not, this is going to be a huge hit. Thank you. And I walked out. And as I passed the big guy, you know, almost shoulder to shoulder, as he was getting called in, he looks at me as, how'd it go? And I went like this. It went great. <laughs> this is a competitive business, people. You got to do everything you can to stand out. And I don't, I look back with some, uh, I can't say I'm regretful for doing it. I acknowledge that it wasn't the right thing to do to take all those scripts. But, you know, telling that guy to mess with his head, try to shake him off his game, you got to do whatever it takes to, to stand out. That's the story of how Steve Sanders, uh, how I got to play Steve Sanders. I got the part the next morning and we started filming three days later. It was the party scene up at that mansion in Beverly Hills. Oh my gosh. It was the night scene. Was that our first? Yeah. yeah. All nighter. All nighter. All nighter. Kelly Taylor's the biggest bitch of all Beverly Hills. Blah, blah, blah. Brian stealing my Corvette. Some like being intoxicated and seeing some kid with dreadlocks over me saying like, there's a spider on your head or whatever. I don't know what I was talking about. I was just improving away. You did, right? A lot of that yeah. was improv, those scenes. Oh my, you were so yeah. good. God. Just fun. Just fun. <laughs> Hey everyone, so as you can imagine, we know a thing or two about makeup. We've pretty much tried it all. And we are really liking Thrive Cosmetics because they have a full line of makeup perfect for an everyday look refresh. They have clean ingredients that feel great on your skin and their products are foolproof, which makes it easy for any skill level to apply. And it's really cool to know that Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. Oh, I love that connection. See that? Plus, how cool is it that their uh, high-performance formulas are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free? Amazing. And they have zero parabens, sulfates, and phthalates. I really believe when it comes to makeup, beautiful eyebrows are so important. Don't you think their infinity waterproof eyebrow liner helps you achieve your ideal eyebrow look and their easy to use waterproof pencil holds like a wax and blends like a powder. Ooh la la. 
Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash 90210. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash 90210 for 10% off your first order. Is there ever really a way to thank your mom for everything she does? My mom is my best friend, my rock. I have learned so much from her through the years. Her wisdom has helped shape me and I love celebrating her, especially on Mother's Day. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. And since she deserves the best, send her the best there is. When it comes to flowers, send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. I love that Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farm, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, you guys. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. You go online, pick the delivery date, and you're done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to your mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Go to books.com and use promo code 90210 for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code 90210, books.com, promo code 90210. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Velour XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. With the weather getting warmer, finally, it is time for a wardrobe refresh. And when I want to update my style without breaking the bank, I turn to Quince. They offer premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. And washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They partner directly with top factories, so Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to you. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices in premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I use the hoop earrings I ordered from Quince all the time. And basically live in the slippers that I ordered on their website. The prices and quality are so worth it. 
Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash 90210 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash 90210 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash 90210. Hey guys, it's Jana Kramer. The iHeartRadio Music Festival is back. Join us for the official iHeartRadio Music Festival pre-show podcast hosted by me. Jana Kramer. It's going to be a blast and we will have all your favorite celebrities and artists joining such as Chrissy Metz, Debbie Gibson, Joey McIntyre, Donnie Osmond, 98 Degrees, Teddy Mellencamp, and so many more. Get your tickets today at onlocationlive.com. Let's get lucky. So you were number two going into the room. Is yeah. that there's a theory out there that they always put the one they want the most in the middle position. Do you think that's true? I don't know. I, you know, I'm seldom in that casting position. The times that I have produced and cast get in the room just whenever, you know, I, 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 when you're seeing people for the first time, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. That's not what I've done in the past. So wait, you didn't go back home then. No, I stayed out there because they told me if you get the part, pack your bags. We're going to be starting shooting three days later. So did someone have to ship your stuff out or you brought everything? I brought a suitcase with me. We shot the pilot in what, 12 days, 10 days? Oh, that's right. I'm thinking series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then that was the end of that. And I went home uh, back to Jersey and the pilot aired, I think it's September. And we got trashed in the press. We got such we horrible. Did? Oh yeah, we got really poorly reviewed. It was uh, it was bad. And I thought, well, okay, got this under my belt. What's next? Because I didn't think it was going to go. Mm-hmm. And then Fox picked it up. A couple of years after that, they were ordering two seasons at a time for several years and double ups, and they couldn't get enough in nine hundred two one zero. It's so true. Wait, I just want to go back. Yeah. I want to ask you about, because I remember this. So there was a read through at my dad's house. Um, yeah. And I, I remember because my dad I was said, like, in between my audition and, and when we started shooting, we did a read through with the finalized cast. Right. So that was the first day you met everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Wait, Gabrielle tells the story. Did you guys go out to lunch afterwards or? We did. We went to Chin Chin on Sunset. Oh, that's my favorite. Sorry. Yeah, haven't eaten there in 100 years, but it's still there. Um, and, you know, got to know Gabrielle, um, you know, very early on. And I think at that table, I realized, wow, this is, she's a nurturing soul. She's incredible and uh, was very happy to be working with her. This is someone that's going to have your back, you know, that's, and she's always been that steadfast voice of reason, mother hen almost, you know. Definitely. To go on to be like the president of SAG after it, no less. So what was it like meeting Jason for the first time? Jason was a nice guy. Completely nice. Long hair, you know, was smoking cigarettes at the time. Bit irreverent, but dashing, handsome. Like, great. This is awesome. This kid, this is a good looking kid. She's going to die for him. This is going to be awesome. I hope you can act. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he delivered in a big way. Jason's the greatest. He is. So 
I mean, when the show started, Brian was younger. So the guys, like, I, I feel like everyone was kind of separated on set a little bit. Like, the guys hung out with the guys, the girls, the girls. And then Brian kind of was, like, navigating both worlds, feeling like the younger kid. Yeah. Well, Brian, uh, right off the bat, felt more like a younger brother to me. I was 10 years older than him, 10 years older than you, too. So it's like, it's kind of hard to relate to a 16-year-old when you're in Hollywood on like the number one show in the world. It's not like you guys are going to go palling around town together. So it's, it was, there was a, 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 a distinct divide, but it was only because of the chronological difference between us. As we've both gotten older, Brian and I, you know, that, that divide has separated Brian. I love right. Brian. I would take bullets for Brian. Not one. I'd get up and take another because hmm. Brian's the greatest guy ever. It's true. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, wait. Okay. So the show gets picked up. What was the first, when was the first time you got recognized out in public for Steve? I had my car shipped out. No, no. I drove out. When we got the pickup, I had plenty of time. Okay. I drove out. I had an Acura Integra and the license plate said EYE space AN. Cause I was sick of people calling me in. <laughs> the bane of my existence story i don't give a shit anymore call me i've been called worse than ian i don't care anymore <laughs> you don't know my name okay whatever my friends and family know my name so i'm driving i drove out and i'm like driving around and we're like episode six or episode seven had already aired and the show is like gaining in popularity and then i got followed because people recognized me and then it validated from the license plate so yeah it was like early like mid first season and then i had to get a new license plate because it was it was stupid and i knew it was stupid to have my name on a license plate I'm like that's so crazy you had that license plate and then steve's famous license plate was i ate a ferrari yeah like that's so yeah wait did you tell them the story of your license plate and that's how they came up with that no um Tim Hunter asked me if I had any ideas for a license plate because he wanted to do a cool shot of my Corvette pulling right into frame, which was in the opening titles. So a few weeks before, I saw a Porsche in New Jersey that said I8A4RE. And I'm like, perfect. So that's where that's where it came from. I told Tim and like two days later, I ate a Ferrari. Oh my gosh. Iconic. Yeah. So crazy. And I don't even have that license plate. It exists in California. I think it's on a Corvette somewhere. But like, shouldn't I have that plate? You don't have it? I don't. And I'm willing to go buy a used 90 Corvette just to have it on that car. It's like. How do we find it? I don't know how we find it. The DM, DMV can. There's ways. I mean, if you know what the license plate is, it can be tracked. We should look into that. Um, memorabilia. You have memorabilia from the show at your house. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. He does. Yeah. What about you? I want to know what you have at your house. You have any memorabilia? You got clothes. Clothes? No. Uh, okay. So I have a couple pieces of clothes, clothing. One a fan gave me at a book signing, which was the lip dress I wore. And then Darren Martin, he's given me a couple pieces. But I didn't have anything from the show originally. I got the, oh I, I think I got, I took home the glasses from David and Donna's wedding. They gave me. Oh, that's nice. That's a, that's, 
They're nice keepsake. Do you still have them? You know what my house looks like. Do you think oh I can find them? Oh, my God. Yeah. Tori, that's priceless. I know. I think they're in I don't know where they are. Oh, God. But you have one of the mini jukeboxes, right? Yeah. I've got a jukebox that was on the counter of the peach pit. And uh, walking out, when they wrapped that set, everybody clapped because it was the last time we were working in the peach pit. And I, uh, I literally had to tear it off the counter because it was glued to the Formica. And I, think, I don't know who's producing or whatever. It was on set that day. Where are you going with that? And I turned around like, oh, I'm, we're done, right? I'm going home. And like, well, what about, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going home. Nobody said anything else. And I turned around and walked out. I kind of like <laughs> game of chicken with everybody. Like, who's going to tell me, put that down? Like, I was waiting for it. No one had the balls to say, don't take it. So I just kept walking. Uh, see, I wanted to do that. I was scared. Uh, like, uh, my, you... my last my last scene in the Beverly Beat, behind Steve's desk, there was this bookcase that it's a small bookcase. Maybe it's two feet across. The books inside it are old, leather bound, but it's fake. The books, it's a facade. You push Mm -hmm. on one side and it spins around to a bar. It was the coolest like set piece ever. I snarfed that too. And you know what? Yeah, yeah. You know what? At, At the end of the day, you know, nobody... Nobody said anything. They wanted me to have it. You know, they gave it to me. Of course. I was called on all all this stuff. All this stuff, as you know, went to auction. Before we ended, they came into every set. People, they came into every set and took pictures with this advanced camera that does a 360. I don't know. Maybe if you've ever looked at a real estate listing where you can walk Mm -hmm. into a room and look. They did that in every set and literally Everything was auctioned off. Everything auctioned off. Oh my god! I don't remember that. I just mean I remember the clothing was off. Did you keep any wardrobe pieces? I got some wardrobe pieces. Yeah. Oh my god, Steve! I mean, can we talk about your wardrobe on the show? I had a uh, I had a couple silk shirts, you know, really nice button down silk shirts that um, we cut the sleeves off just to make make it a little edgy and arrogant and you know proper for the time but mm-hmm. like boys were cutting their shirts off and cut them up but like nobody cut a silk shirt up steve sanders did but you know it's pretty funny i still have that it's green got another purple silk shirt steve wore a lot of silk shirts yeah, buttoned up to here what else do i have clothing wise um any of your tank tops you wore a no. lot of tank tops because you have a great body sorry i'm allowed to say that <laughs> The tank tops. No, that's that's another thing that's like the bane of my existence. That why uh, those tank tops? Oh God! In Which the ones? We're the crop, baseball. the crop ones. At the time, it wasn't a thing. But man, if I could go back and change one look, <laughs> a couple looks I would change. No crop tops. At all. As a matter of fact, I made that joke when we did BH90210 when I got to speak to my younger self. I told him, don't ever wear those shirts again. Throw them out. Trust me. And then I think I think I wouldn't, I think I'd go back 
and maybe put a mirror in my dressing room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I could like realize that, dude, what are you putting like my younger self? Maybe I would have realized if I knew what I was doing, that I was buttoning my shirts to the top just to be, I was looking for any way to set Steve apart. Oh, it was a choice. Oh, it was, it was an active choice. It was active choice, but it was a choice to, to create an air of, of uh, distinction that he had for himself, you know, that he thought he was cool, that he could do that and no one else did it. So it kind of made him, Mm -hmm. it was an arrogant move. So sort of, it was kind of an arrogant move, but I'm like, I'll just own it, whatever. As he grew and we got to know him, that kind of changed when he was really surrounded by the friends who helped mold Steve to who he was. So it was all a choice. Nobody was telling me how to dress, what to do. But you know what? Everyone talks about Steve's outfits. Bad or good, they're talking about it. So that's a good thing. And we used to bust Brian's balls about the shirts he would wear. Everything looked like a damn awning. <laughs> oh, my like, God. Like, what kind of material? Is, is that canvas? What the hell are you wearing, Brian? He said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, and there'd be stripes on it. And Diane, remember Diane? Sure do. The wardrobe designer? I don't see you, Brian. <laughs> oh, my God. Either way, you address him like, like him, do you? Seriously. So you don't funny. like him. Brian's, uh, <laughs> uh, so funny. Anyway, it was a choice for Brian, too. Oh, my gosh. Well, it was just announced Brian's going to be on Dancing with the Stars. Going to tear up that dance floor. Brian can dance. Brian's got rhythm. That dude can move. I don't care what athlete they have out there. Brian's got rhythm. He does. And Brian can move as good as anybody. I'm I'm going to bet on Brian. I'm going to go to Las Vegas and put a bet on He's going to do great. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you no, know, you were no on doubt. Dancing with the Stars. I came and watched you. Oh, it was, it was you were so, so difficult. Good. You it were was so brutal. good, though. Well, thanks. I made it to the semifinals. You did. I learned a few things, and I had fun. You know, I raised some money for charity, earned a few bucks myself, learned some skills. I had a blast. I had a blast. Great Brian's workout. Brian's going to crush it, though. Great workout. I lost weight. I got really thin. But that's because all I wanted to do was rehearse. I just wanted it because that's the way I learned. Repetition. Yep. So... That's what it's all about for me. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the episode. And IZ, you have the best story. So we want to hear some more fun stories and memories. Is there ever really a way to thank your mom for everything she does? My mom is my best friend, my rock. I have learned so much from her through the years. Her wisdom has helped shape me. And I love celebrating her, especially on Mother's Day. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. And since she deserves the best, send her the best there is. When it comes to flowers, send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. I love that Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farm. So they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, you guys. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. 
You go online, pick the delivery date, and you're done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to your mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Go to books.com and use promo code 90210 for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code 90210, books.com, promo code 90210. Relive the magic of the iconic pop culture, music, and fashion of the 90s on the 90s cruise. Five days of concerts with some of the decade's most iconic stars, nightly theme parties, celebrity interactions, and all-out 90s events and activities. Over 25 concerts and live performances starring Blues Traveler, Collective Soul, Gin Blossoms, Everclear, Lit, Color Me Bad, Lisa Loeb, Fastball, CNC Music Factory, Jesus Jones, Digital Underground, Sophie B. Hawkins, and more. Hosted by MTV DJs, Downtown Julie Brown, Matt Pinfield, and Lisa Loeb. Taking place January 31st through February 5th, 2025 on Royal Caribbean's Serenade of the Seas, which will be completely transformed to take you back in time for a nonstop 90s action. The 90s cruise will sail from Tampa and head to amazing stops in Cozumel and Costa Maya, Mexico. Head to the 90scruise.com to book your cabin. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. 
Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Bethany Joy Lenz. I'm Hillary Burton Morgan. And I'm Sophia Bush. And we are doing a virtual event in September in honor of One Tree Hill Day, September 23rd. OTH Day for the OTH fam and this podcast family is going to be benefiting Kind Campaign with this event. They work to end bullying in schools, and we just love them. That's right. The drama queens are so excited to hang out with you guys on our very special day. So all the information is going to go up on loopedlive.com. There is more information coming soon. That's L-O-O-P-E-D live.com. The drama queens are coming to you live from the iconic Beverly Hilton Hotel. That's loopedlive.com for tickets. <laughs> Should we jump into the episode? It's so fascinating hearing stories from you that I forgot to talk about the episode. Okay, let's talk about the episode. My God, I could listen to you tell stories all day long. You need to write a book. I mean, you could write several books, but like your stories, I love your stories so much because you can visualize what's happening. You talk us through every, like you remember dates, you remember what people were wearing. And that's a great storyteller. Like your stories remind me how my dad used to tell stories. That's a big compliment. Thanks. It's true. Maybe one day. Okay. Um, season two, episode 20, competitive edge. I'm going to have to put on my glasses. They don't make my eyes look as big as your glasses, though. <laughs> I got new glasses. That shit was so funny when you guys were busting my chops. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys, so this time around, when we did BH90210, and we all were back together, it was so amazing. That's it. But we all realized that we all now had to wear glasses. And we we're like, oh, wow, look at this. We're all looking at our, our lines and we're all wearing glasses. And irons were the biggest of them all. Well, <laughs> oh, my God. But the like the CVS, whatever, I'm losing glasses all the time. I'm, I don't even know what my prescription was, but it was huge. Still is. And Brian said, Z, like, yeah. He's like, you might want to rethink those glasses. And I'm like, why? I like the frames. I don't look good. And he's like, dude, you look like Urkel. Did I do that? And he made fun of me. And I'm like, shut up, Brian. And I asked you and Jenny, and you're like, oh, yeah, you got big, 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 huge eyes. That's just, no, those you just. And then we went out to dinner, (laughs) and I made you put the glasses on so I could see. Tori, should I send you the, the picture? I've got a picture of you and a picture of Jenny wearing my big eyeball glasses. Yes, send me the picture. Oh I my gosh. Big, Our eyes of, were like this big in, the, a, in your glasses. Yeah. It I was got, I got three things I could send you from that night that are very funny. You can share them if you want. Do it. Oh my God. We had so much fun that night. We laughed so hard. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, this episode. Okay. And sorry. It's an episode. Okay. Back on track. Here we are. Yes. Season two, episode 20, Competitive Edge air date was January 23rd, 1992. Synopsis, Brandon trades his reporter's pen for track shoes until he smells a story he can't and shouldn't ignore. And Brenda's minor accident turns major when the woman she bumped claims whiplash. It was directed by David Carson. Writers were Darren Starr, Charles Rosen, and Jonathan Roberts, starring us. I know you remember this episode. I know you watched it back, but you probably remember everything from it. What's interesting, I didn't watch the show when it aired. 
we were busy working. I would sure. come home and sleep. My mom would fill me in on what was good, what was she didn't like about my parts, of course. <laughs> and it's only later when it been that I would see certain episodes. I had not seen the entire episode and the entire series back front to back. Same. So fill me in. Competitive okay. Was that one like there were steroids? Um, okay, so Brand so Brandon gets he's there to do a story, but he gets onto the track team. You had to do you had a lot of tank tops in this episode. The gun show was smoking, just saying. Does that embarrass you? No, but the, the way you say that is just so funny. Oh my god. You you had the best body. You still do. Um, okay, so the track team. Wait, did you have to do all of your own stunts? What stunts? I don't know. You were There's in no track. stunts jumping around? Yeah. Really, too. It's not like they were having us fall off the top of the school. <laughs> oh, we always wonder when there's scenes where there's like a fight. Like, there was one scene on campus where you're in a fight. This is not this episode. But Jenny and I were like, Wait, that looked real. Like, it looked like a major fight. The major stuff, we would have stunt players come in to choreograph it because people would get thrown around and they didn't want to see us get tossed to the ground. Um, it was uh, a liability. You know, they would write these these big scenes and they would shoot them in a way that it would be maybe Jason punching somebody or me punching and you'd see me wind up to throw it, but you wouldn't see who I was hitting because they would put a wig on somebody and you know, you just, you can, it can be fake. They and with the real. magic of Hollywood, you can fake it real. Yeah. With editing, it, it looked amazing. Yeah. And then, but like falling on the ground, you can't really fake or falling into a fountain. No, you can't really fake that. That some players do that. Well, the scenes always looked good. Um, okay, so yes, this is the episode about steroids, which um, it's like an after-school special. This is with Cutlets, Don't right? Do was Cutlets this one? That was his first episode, Michael Cutlets. Yeah. So Michael Cutlets, who, wait, what was his character's name? Oh my God, I'm blinking out. Um, Tony Miller. Yeah. Michael started with us as a carpenter, building sets and scenes. And he was the nicest guy. You know, I think he was our age, maybe my age at least, or a couple years older. And, you know, we'd see him at lunch. He's the nicest guy. He was an aspiring actor. And one day he got a chance and he booked the part of Tony Miller. Nuts. And then all of a sudden the dude is building the sets. I'm working with him. It was great. We're all so happy for him. It's such a great journey. And now, oh my gosh, I, I a huge Walking Dead fan. And when I saw him on The Walking Dead, I was like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? Like, just so proud of his journey. Yeah. He's done some great, great stuff. Really a talented actor. He really so is. I think uh, I think he's going to be on our show, on our podcast. So that's very exciting. So there's track. They want Steve to start taking steroids. What do you remember from this? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> Which is super rare, you guys. I always talk on the show how you remember even more than me. Like, you remember details. But we were I, talking about this the other day God, at lunch. We did 296 episodes, Tori. We did See, I don't shows. even remember that's how many we did. See, you know the I, exact number. I didn't really watch the series. So we were busy working in it. I, my greatest memory from that was being so happy for Michael Cutlets, who was a hell of a nice guy, who was 
you know, a struggling actor and like made it to the show. That was like the biggest thing. I think I remember that Steve wouldn't take the steroids. Mm -hmm. I don't think he did take the steroids. No. Um, but I don't know how it unfolded with the rest of the team going down for taking those steroids. I don't either. I'm not going to lie, though. Whenever I see Steve and Kelly together, I want them to get back together. I like Watching it new now as a fan this time around, I really, really like Kelly and Steve. One in the heart, not one on the chart, though. I just wish that they had like rekindled and at least had one or two episodes together again, just so we could really play that out. Um, well, they were good friends. That was mm. nice. That's what the, the relationship morphed into. And I, I yeah. think like they, they were never destined to be together. You know, mm. we never really even saw them together because that relationship ended before the show started. That was the pre-life of those two characters. And in its genesis, it really just turned into tremendous respect and appreciation. Kelly always knew that Steve was there for would crawl through broken glass to do whatever. He still loved her, yeah. but accepted that this is not, not going to go any further. And, you know, I think Kelly really cared for Steve in that way, in that same way. So, okay. So if you had to choose, because everyone, you know, team Brandon, team Dylan, who would you have seen Kelly ending up with? I mean, I mean, I guess we kind of know who she ended up with, but. Well, Kelly and Brandon. Yeah. And Brenda and Dylan. Yeah. Okay. Same. Yeah. I think so. I think and that's Steve how it should And Steve and Janet and Donna and David. I mean, yeah. what an incestuous group we were to have grown up together and all married. Like, what the hell? That's called a TV show. Yeah. They couldn't afford to bring in any more core characters in. <laughs> oh, my God. Janet, Lindsay Price, who I still adore her and I'm still friends with her. Like, I love her. Um, I loved them. You know what, though? I, I'm just going to go on record. I really love Steve and Claire together, though. Yeah, that was a fun. I don't know how many episodes we did together, but Kathleen was great to work with. She's beautiful and just br brought that you know, that elegance to whatever she was doing. She had this like Audrey Hepburn-ness about her Aww. that I always just like looked at her like, oh my God, she's stunning. And she was talented. You guys were just really funny. I liked the humor of Claire and Steve. Yeah, I got to have a lot of fun. Steve yeah. was fun with her. Oh my gosh. I loved whenever you did anything funny on the show. I loved it. I loved oh, There was an episode where when we went to Palm Springs and Steve like hit on L and he's making out with her and like finds out that she's a guy probably found out by Braille. <laughs> and um, later she shows up dating the chancellor. And we're, yeah. Oh yeah. What? Wait, what? L in a later episode, shows up and the Chancellor's all crazy. Chancellor was uh, Claire's, Claire's father. Mm -hmm. And he's all excited about his, his new girlfriend. And there's a, a banquet dinner that he invites Claire and Steve to. And when we get invited to, to, to the event, we go, Kathleen and I are, are, we're like laughing. This is gonna be a really funny scene. So we go and we're introduced to 
L and there's a reveal and Steve, <laughs> oh my God. And all throughout dinner, Steve is trying to tell Claire that that's, that she is a him and that's not, that your father's being played here and she wouldn't have it. You do anything to wipe that smile off my father's face. I will never, ever talk to you again. Just as they're serving us food at the dinner plate. And I said, well, tell me, does your father prefer mussels or clams? Oh and my that gosh. made it into the show. It did? Oh my God. See, now I'm going to know the backstory when we get to that episode. Oh, so funny. So, so funny. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do some fashion and our rapid fire game. Oh, yeah. So we had some fun fashion in this episode, memorable standouts. Well, for me, at least, were um, Kelly's workout tee. Um, Steve had some cutoff sleeves, which you talked about. Um, and Steve's leather jacket. Do you remember the leather jacket from this episode? I don't remember any of that fashion. Yeah, your jacket was good. You should have kept that one. Um, so did you have any favorite lines from this episode? There were a lot of great lines. You know, if there weren't, then I would try to improv something. And sometimes that would fall flat uh, <laughs> more often than not. There was one... In this one, what did, what did he say? He said, you know, she brings out the best of me or something like that. That was really uh, tender and heartfelt. So, you know, there was a, a plus one for Steve. It wasn't any moment, but um, it was nice. There's one, there's one line that really exemplifies Steve Sanders. And it's, I'm not spoiled, I'm privileged. That line comes back to me. When I think of Steve Sanders, hey, we met him. That's so true. That's such a good line. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Now, um, before we go, we always play a rapid, rapid fire game. If you do not want to play this, I understand because it's very like it's it's our lives. But we've all we Jenny and I have done it. Um, who is obviously you can say yourself, but who is your favorite cast member? You know, I've grown to love everybody. I think during the time we were filming, I hung out with the guys. You girls did your own thing. So I was close with the guys. And then, you know, as Brian, the age difference seemed to be less, it was Brian. And then, you know, the girls were always there. And I loved you guys too. It was a family. You guys are all like family to me. So it's not like you bump heads once in a while, you get over it and you move on. It's still family. It's so true. I Like when we first started the show, you felt like a big brother to me. Like all the guys, I was just like, oh, okay. I, I would hang with Brian, but... Like you and Jason and Luke just seemed like the cool kids, like the guys doing their own thing. And then by the end of the series, yeah. you and I were friends. Like we would go out on the weekends and hang out and we'd do our like group things. Like yeah. it was so cool. Such a young girl when we started, you know, I still look at you as like a youngster. You're getting there. You're getting there. But like <laughs> still you're like, you know, but it was nice. one of my you, you blossomed into a mature woman and uh, clearly you're not, uh, you know. I don't think of you as a young girl anymore, but it's like we've gone through the fire together, yeah. you know, but it all started we were at a very formative age where we were so young. I knew Luke from New York, so I had a previous relationship with Luke. Mm -hmm. We were friends before the show started, so that was nice. Um, but, yeah, it became family. You work with somebody at that age long enough, you kind of know the roadmap, 
to their journey. And if you're on it with them, then you, you bond and you bond as fam. You're stuck with me for life. That's how it is. Okay. Kiss, marry, or kick to the curb? Character wise, just character wise. Oh, are you going to tell me or am I going to have? No, like it. So based on the characters, who would you kiss? Who would you marry? And who would you kick to the curb? Of the core? Yep. Oh, I'd marry them all. <laughs> Good answer. Absolutely. <laughs> I'd marry them all. Are you kidding? With the chicks, we'd have like beautiful families together. The guys that I would marry, it'd be, we would take care of each other, but they could be free to do whatever they wanted because whatever. Good answer. And we know Team Dylan or Team Brandon, we know how, what you said about that. That's, you answered everything else. That's it. Um, one last thing. Uh, can we talk really quick about our beauty business that we do together? Because who would have thought? Yeah that we would be working together as actors. And then 30 years later, we're now, we have a global beauty business that we run together. You know, as, as actors, every gig's got a closing curtain and it's tough out there. You know, it's, especially this last year, year and a half, there's been such a shutdown. I started digging this well before I was thirsty. I got involved with the company that's going on 13 years ago. And it's direct sales, it's health and beauty products. Um, and my success comes from helping others be successful. When I got you involved, you had no idea what this was all about, but you love the products. Yep. I've always believed that success unshared is failure. And when I was young on 90210, that meant getting my schlubby buddies into the nightclub with me. As I got older and more, and more mature, I realized that I could spend that capital on helping raise awareness to different charities and things like that. And that's when I started really understanding the value that I could bring to different charities. And that was important to me. Success unshared is failure. Well, how can I help the charity? If I put my name on there, if I go, it'll raise interest and raise money. And money buys science and science buys life. It was a good use of that capital. With what we do with the, the celebrity that I've earned, that you've earned, We've created Team 90210, Team Tory, and people use that to help market because people say, what are you talking about? And we're very proactive. We work with the team. Mm -hmm. We go out. We, we have boot camps. We travel with these people. And they're, what's so nice is that we're paying the success forward, helping people put food on the table, helping people pay down bills. Things that were aspirational are now purchases for these people and it feels so good okay so you can check out our products at beautywithtori.com and it will say on the site if you want to join us um it'll say how you can become a member of our team with us or join team 90210.com tori that's the shameless plug no i said you know i'm not i'm like not good at like promoting my own stuff i get embarrassed but it's really a business that we've grown together um, and we do, we change lives daily during a time when people weren't working during the pandemic. This was a business that I'm super grateful because it allowed me to bring in money for my kids and for people around the world to have something um, that they could keep going. And it will, it'll keep going. It's a business we can will to our kids. So we're grooming future beauty business boss babes and we love it. All right, my friend. Thank you. This has been a pleasure. Sorry, opportunity all the people that are watching your podcast um thanks for all the support over the years i really appreciate it i really feel so 
blessed to be a part of this uh, project that continues to be um, so rewarding. People tell me wherever I am, they're big fans of the show. And do I know playing and, and Jenny Garth, you know, Jenny Garth. And it's so nice. It's really, it's a gift that keeps on giving. I'm, I'm grateful. It's so true. There you have it. We look forward to working with you and sharing our products and paying it forward to people everywhere. I love you and I will see you soon. Bye, baby. Bye. That was so fun. Oh my gosh. I loved having him on the show. I could just listen to his stories all day long. Um, He'll have to come back. Okay. uh, Next week, episode 21. Everybody's talking about it. It's going to be a really great. I love this episode. I actually remember a lot about this episode. So it's going to be really cool. Um, We will see you next week. Love you guys. Bye. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 